Tonight on the talk show, I'm joined by Eric Hubs from Barstool Sports. He's the co-host of The Short Porch, where I called in last week, made a total fool of myself, but he was kind enough to come on my podcast, talk Yankees. If you're not a Yankee fan, we talked a lot of other stuff. One of the things we talked about is the Barstool Fund. Definitely go check that out. I'm going to leave a link in the district in the description for you guys to donate. Please do. It's a great cause. Also, my audio is not great in this episode, something with the Zoom and my microphone. I hope to get that worked out soon, but enjoy this episode coming up. This episode is brought to you by Fanatics. Like I've said, everything I wear basically is from Fanatics. Why? They have the official shop for all things sports. Every sport, every league, every player, officially licensed gear from all those sports. I wear jerseys, caps, sweatshirts, everything I get it from Fanatics. You want 25% off your next order? All you got to do is go to podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot co dot C-O slash Fanatics. Again, podgo dot co slash Fanatics and get 25% off your next order. Do it now. All right. I'd like to welcome on from Barstool Sports, co-host the Short Porch podcast, Eric Hubs. Hubs, thanks for doing this. How you doing? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So the way this kind of came about with me is because obviously I had that call into your show last week. Interesting call. Um, the way it happened from my perspective. First, I was really pissed off about the Yankees. I was pissed off about what was happening with Lindor to the Mets. And the first tweet I see, good timing by you guys, is call into the show now. So I call in all angry. I do that. But for some reason, my brain works. I could. I had to save the number. So I save it as short porch on my phone. And then later in the day, I see short porch calling me. I'm like, what? I'm super confused. You start talking. I couldn't really hear you. And then, of course, um, what happened is what happened. And then you guys posted it. I was super caught off guard. I didn't think you guys would think anything of it. What happened in that room? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we did <clears throat> we did voicemails for the first time in a while um, because, obviously, the Lindor thing had just happened. So we, we wanted to hear from, like, <clears throat> angry fans and all that. So we reached out. Um, yours. um there was a bunch. We just picked random ones. I wasn't in the studio for them just picking, but um, you you let off saying you talked to Brian Cashman. We're just like, well, what the hell is that? You can't just casually drop like you 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 like said it all as if like he's your like uncle or something. Exactly. I was like, well, I just spoke to Cashman last week casually. Just spoke to Cash. So you know, he said, yeah, all this. And we didn't even we didn't even care to listen to like the rest of the the voice. Yeah, and I was like. They apparently were like, "Let's call him back." And like, I didn't even think we had the ability to do that, but then they did, and and we called you right back. And I, funny enough, that you saved us to shortport, so you like kind of knew we were calling at the same time. I thought like, "There's no way this guy even picks up," because me personally, if I get a call from a random number, I hit the client every time, unless I'm like expecting a weird call. But like for the most part, like I will never answer. Like, it's usually just a telemarketer or whatever. But you, funny enough, uh, saved us shortport. So then, yeah, we just uh, we asked you about Cashman, and then you you bring up that you were actually talking about Hoke, which is funny. Uh, and then we were like so mad that it wasn't cash. We just hung up. Just hung up. And I was on mush, by the way. But I was totally caught off guard. Like you said, you, I should have lied. I totally would have lied. I was so caught off guard. Even though I did see short porch come up, I hear you guys talking and it just didn't click for me. No, that's uh, that's a tough ask to think on the fly to lie like that. That's an intricate. My, I definitely wouldn't. Have, if I was in your spot, I probably would have just accidentally told the truth, too. Right, exactly. I'm a truth teller. Anyway, but I did speak to Brian Hoke earlier that week, and we talked about DJ and the Yankees. That's a big story now. You're a big Yankee fan. You have the Yankee podcast. This week, the news dropped. I think it's the DJ party leaking stuff. It's that, oh, well, the Yankees are slow playing it. I think it's the smart play for the Yankees. They don't want to bid against themselves, but at the same time, it's very risky because DJ could get an offer where they say, hey, you can't leave this room until you take the offer or not. And that could happen. What do you see happening with this? 
Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty good. Um, I don't think his market is as big as he hoped for. Um, now that could be because of COVID. That could be because he's a 32-year-old infielder. I I don't care about the age because I think, you know, being the contact hitter he is, his game, can he can age very well into his late 30s and I think be very productive still. Um, you know, whereas if he was a power hitter, you know, not so much. Um, so the age doesn't bother you. It never has bothered me. It does bother some fans, which is idiotic to me. But um, I don't think his market is strong. I think... There was a Andy Martino tweet today about how the Mets might get back into it. I don't see that. I think they want to they want to add pitching. I, I think they want to add and maybe like um, maybe an outfielder of some sort. I, I don't think they want to go after another infielder. Um, obviously, that would be an ultimate you know statement uh, by Cohen. But um, getting Lindor makes me think that the Mets are out of it, and that's a big suitor for him with money wise. Where because you know Cohen would be that type of guy. I'd be like, oh, you know what? You know, let's just screw over the Yankees here. We have exactly. Money. Let's do it. But so them being out of the picture, I think, helps the Yankees and it limits him to Toronto. It limits him to uh, the Dodgers and the Dodgers don't want to go to five years and they don't want to give him a ton of money, um, which obviously helps the Yankees. Um, then there's the Blue Jays who maybe do want to give him that money. But then against the Blue Jays and it's like Canada, do you want to move your whole family right now during COVID to another country? And they might not even play there. Like, right. A lot of question marks with Canada and, and the whole Toronto thing. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a strong enough suit. So when you really look at it, it's like, unless someone comes out of nowhere here and you think they'd already be in on it by now, if they're going to offer a good enough offer to do this, I don't know. Uh, I, I think the Yankees really, there really hasn't been, I think Curry said it also uh, last night. There really isn't a competitive offer outside of the Yankees right now. And the Yankees seem to be sitting four years, 84 million, something around that ballpark. I think they end up getting it done. And I think they get four for a hundred. I think cause DJ wants five for one ten. Don't think he's. I would. I would also have no problem with this vesting option. I think that's going to become more popular. Like almost like okay, prove it in these four years, and if you prove it, there's an option. Here, you know, yeah. if you hit, if you hit X number of plate appearances in these four years, then yeah, gladly take the fifth year because that's the the fear would be that you don't get those plate appearances and the contract isn't worth it at the end. So, I, I'm always a fan of vesting options. So I would do four for a hundred with a vesting option for the fifth for another twenty million, and we'll see how it goes from there. But um, it remains to be seen. At this moment, though, I mean, it's not great that it's January 12th as we're talking and exactly not signed, but I'm still fine right now that like I, I don't think there's going to be a crazy offer like we're fearing um, now that Lindor's on the Mets. Right. So the players on the roster, everyone talks about Gary Sanchez, specifically on your guys' podcast. Tommy Smokes hates him, you know, but he went down. He's working at Winter Ball, right? Yeah. What about Glaber Torres? He was called out by the general manager for being out of shape. He was, you know, he, his defense was terrible. Why is he, why don't we see him? And what, you know, the pulse of the people of the people better than I do. What's happening with Glaber Torres? What do people think? Why is he not getting as much hate as Gary? Yeah. Um, I think because, um, probably the, he's young and adorable. Um, so that probably <laughs> has to play into it. Um, you know, that he's a superstar, you know, you've seen what he can do. I think he made the all-star team his first three years in the league, whatever. But, um, you know, Gary, I think just like the, the optics of a pass ball um, and striking out as much as he did, where I think, what was it? In his first hundred at bats last year, I think he struck out 50 of them. Something right. was crazy like that. It's, you don't see that with Glaber. Glaber, it's like you miss, uh, he'll, he'll misplay a, short, um, a ground ball short and all that. And there's that, uh, but it's the Gary optics of like a pass ball or striking out like every other at bat that pisses fans off. Glaber, you've seen what he can do. He was, you know, he, they, they weren't pleased with how he looked 
coming out of quarantine and the pandemic and all that. And they said he wasn't in shape. And then I think Cashman said in his exit press conference. Yeah, he retracted that. That, yeah. that. that basically he was like, in the final week or two, you kind of saw the Glaber tours, we all know, and the playoffs you kind of did too. So I think th- the biggest fear is that he's not a shortstop for the future. And like, you know, he's getting to an age where we need to know what his position is going to be for the future. You can't just, you know, got to, we got to zone in on one and focus on that. So this could be the last year that they give him the real chance at short um, because if he continues to play like he does at short. I don't know if you can make him the shortstop of the future. You know, you might have to move him to second or figure something out there. Um, but I mean, you know, listen, he doesn't get a pass. His stuff's, get, you know, his, his fielding and his laziness and his lack of range is getting old uh, at short. Uh, fast in New York, and he's got to pick it up. And I think he will. He's a hardworking dude, and I think he's very talented. And, you know, he just played second for a little bit, you know, right when he came up, and, you know, he got used to it. And then they put him to short once Didi left. So I don't know. I, I'm not as on him as I am Gary. Um, but I do also like what Gary's doing in the Winter League, and I, I do think he's going to have a nice year, and I think he's going to bounce back. But no one, Glaber doesn't get a pass for sure. That doesn't happen. Another guy who's in the Winter League is Miguel Andujar. Do you see any role for him on this team? No, not at all. I don't I don't? Um, I think I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. Uh, he was so good in his rookie year, um, but that guy can't play any. He's positionless, and this isn't a team where you can stick him at DH because John Carlos Stanton. You have to preserve him, and you cannot. You know, for basically, I think Cashman basically admitted this too, and I've been scared. It, it really hurts the flexibility of the team that Stanton. You can't put him in the outfield anymore, like at all. He's basically your permanent DH for the next seven years, which really hurts. Like where you, you know, because if you really want it, like you really want to mess around with things, you know, maybe then you could. If Stan was able to play the outfield, he'd get hurt as much as he did. You could have probably traded Clint for a big pitcher by now. They're not doing that. They're keeping Clint and good. Like I like Clint out there, but they could have done that. And then you also could have went and gotten a first baseman, and you could have DH Voight. You can't do any of that with Stanton as the DH because there's no flexibility with him. He has to be your DH. You can't. You if you gotta give these guys uh, time off, you're just benching them. You can't just give them the DH spot. So that also hurts Andahar, uh, because you cannot play him a third. Uh, Gio Rochella is so much more advanced. Like just like a different. It's like a different world what he does compared to Andahar. You can't play in the outfield. We saw much of a disaster. You know, that he's just not natural out there. And Clint's obviously proved himself that he can get better. Um, and that's actually part of the reason that I have faith for uh, Glaber is because of how bad Clint was and, then, and how good he got. It's like, okay, this is possible because Clint at one point was unsavable. It was like, you just, you cringed anytime there's a fly ball out there. And now I expect him to make diving catches. So, he's a gold glove finalist. Right. So, and, and we talked to him and he kind of laughed that off and he was like, I would have made the funniest speech ever. if I, <laughs> right, I heard that. Like, I don't, I didn't deserve this at all, which is funny, but Back to the Glaber point, like I have faith that he can turn it around there. Uh, one, because he's super talented uh, and he's young and he's willing to work. And two, because Clint did it. And if Clint do it, I think anyone can do it. Um, but back to Andahar, I think he's just got to get traded at this point. And I, I don't know. Maybe they haven't focused on that because they're trying to do DJ, DJ first and then figure everything else after that. But I just don't see how Andahar has a role with this team. And I feel bad because he's a hardworking dude and the, you know, the team loves him and he hits the ball you know, like crazy, but you got a field and you can't be DH on this team. So he's, I think his career will be elsewhere. Um, do you see a Luis Castillo trade? Maybe I've been pushing for him for years. That's, that's my guy. Um, he has one of the best, if not the best changeup in baseball, um, just, just baffles people. He could use some work with control. 
which hopefully, you know, you would think Matt Blake and, you know, the, the analytics team could really, I don't know what Cincinnati's doing with, you know, with their analytics and all that. And they do have a good pitching coach, obviously who, um, you know, has turned around Sonny and, uh, and Bauer as well. Uh, but I, I would like to see him, uh, I, th- I would like to see him in New York with all our analytics and Matt Blake under the helm and see what they can do with him. Because I think the potential there is like, that's one that's easily one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, potentially he's probably not there yet, uh, but he can be. And uh, his changeup was awesome. And he would, he would slide in perfectly as a number two to Garrett Cole. It would be an electric number two, almost like a one, a one B Cole still being the strong one, a, but it's very solid one B. And if not just a two, uh, and then you add Severino back in the fold and you're looking at like the best one, two, three in baseball. Yeah, and if Jordan Montgomery pitches the way he pitched in that one playoff game, I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. The only problem is that right now Montgomery's really the two, uh, which is right. That's that's an issue. Yeah, that's a giant. He's just. Yeah. I love Jordan Montgomery. I've been a big fan of his for a while. I advocated for him to make the team out of spring training when he did a couple of years ago uh, when he had made his debut, um, and he pitched very good that year before having to have Tommy, Tommy John. But um, I, he's just not a number two pitcher. He's a number four. Um, he maybe at one point can get to a number three. And last year, you have to remember also, people were getting on him. It was his first year back from, from an injury. Huh? Yeah. And you throw in the COVID season and, you know, how much these pitchers actually had time to build their arms up and all that. You know, Cole took a little bit too. And people were getting on him for no reason. So Montgomery finally got it together and he pitched great in that game four. And I think people got a, that, that, that was a good moment. Now, obviously you don't want the season to end there um, at all, but Montgomery ending on that note, Good for his brain, good for you know uh, mental game and all that. Going to twenty twenty one, feeling better, build on that um, and get stronger and better. He could be a three, maybe at some point, not this year, but he's certainly not a two, and not right now. Um, let's move over to you and your experience. How did you get bar- started at Barstool? Um, so I went to Syracuse um, and didn't get into um, Newhouse, which is like their big communications uh, department. So I had to do like some secondary thing, which is just some bullshit major. Basically just got a degree, um, had a low GPA, no aspirations for anything. Took a cold calling job out of college, um, just making 300 phone calls a day, getting timed in the bathroom, getting yelled at repeatedly, berating, <laughs> having to commute to the city an hour and a half each way just to do this terrible job that paid okay. So that's the only reason I did it out of college. And after like four months, I was basically like suicidal. Not, not really, but like, I got of, you. Yeah. I was very depressed. It, it was one of the worst places to ever work. And I think during the pandemic, they fired everybody because they're all scumbags. But um, I sent K Marco, Keith Markovich, uh, who was the editor in chief at the time. Um, he just became the editor in chief. And I sent him um, an email because uh, they had just done their intern run. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to stand out um, in those interviews. I didn't even bother. Um, but I was hardworking and I knew like, it's just, if I could just get into the door. Get my, get my foot in the door, I'd make something happen and, you know, work hard enough that, like, you know, the rest of me would get, um, you know, that look past so that they could just focus on the hard work and all that. And uh, basically, he, he read my email. I don't think he was getting many emails. I don't think he, he didn't actively look for an intern. Uh, I basically told him, hey, you should have an intern and I would like to be your intern <laughs> um, in a very, like, nice way. Um, and he brought me in for an interview. Um, he took me on. I, I told him, like, you don't have to pay me. So I worked free for six months. Um Earn my keep, made me part time at some point. Started to write a little bit. Started out with college football, um, which I which I like gambling on, but I'm definitely not like an X's and O's college football guy. I can I know what I'm talking about, but like it's just nothing I had like a, a heart for or a passion for. Um, I love baseball, obviously. Um, and uh, at some point, I was given I was allowed to write a little bit about the Yankees, um, and then I became the full time Yankees guy, and then full time um, blogger uh, just to do anything, and then got more and more stuff 
put on my plate since then. And um, yeah, so that's basically the, the real quick short, quick story. Um, it looks like the dream job from like, if you watch all the videos on YouTube and all that stuff and you see what you guys do there and all that, is it all that? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, obviously like I've messed up like publicly in the past and like you get punished because you're, you know, you're the New York guy, the Yankee guy and like that stuff, like, you know, it, like uh, the, my dunce cap thing and in, in the right. Boston and all that, but it's all like, it's all part of the job of the other day. I, I, and Dave during that asked me like what I did before Barstool. And I told him um, that I did this call calling thing. And he's like, you know what? I appreciate that because they hire so many people these days uh, right out of college who just haven't been in the real world at all. And they just think that Barstool's their first job. And it like kind of doesn't give them like any peace of mind about what else there is and what you could be doing. And for me, anytime like that dunce cap thing happens or whatever. And luckily I haven't been in trouble of late, which is good. Uh, but um, I always think back to that. And it's like, you could be doing that right now, calling 300 people a day, being absolutely miserable, deal with whatever you got right now. Exactly. Uh, and you know, and, and on top of that, like that, and that, that those moments happen so rare, you know, it's only when you mess, you know, it's only when it, you become content within like the, the, the punishments and all that. But um, no, it, it really is. I, I really wouldn't imagine, couldn't imagine working anywhere else. Like the fact that I have such a rare thing of like, I wake up every day and I'm, I don't dread going to work ever. I get very excited to go to work. It's a lot of fun. You never know what you're going to get on any, any given day there, but you know, it's going to be wild. It's not, it's not going to be like any other job. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and I know a lot of my friends that just have, you know, whether they're accountants, teachers, all that, and those jobs are fine, but they have moments, they have moments every day where they're like, this, this is a job. Yeah. And I really rarely get that. I really never get that feeling. And it's, you can't beat that. Okay, so what is the day-to-day? -day? When I asked you before, I was like, hey, do you mind coming on earlier in the day? And then you're like, no, I work full-time. What is the day-to-day -day like there? Yeah, um, obviously a little different with uh, pandemic life. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I do, a, I do a good amount of things now. On, like people, like I get shit on Twitter all the time. Like, oh, fire hubs. Like the Yankee content would be so much better. At this point, no, and I love doing it. And I love the short porch, but at this point, that's like my sixth thing. Like on the total pole, like the sixth thing I do every day is right. like Yankees content at this point. Like people think that's people. That's like one of the bigger misconceptions. People think that's all I do is just blog the Yankees, the short porch, and that's it. It's just not, that's not true at all. So like, obviously. Well, I'm preach. Like, here's your, here's your platform. Oh yeah. So like <laughs> obviously I, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not trying to um, say like I, uh, people should feel bad for me at all. No, this is great. I love this shit. But like people think I'm focused on the Yankees 24 seven. It's just not, that's just not what I'm hired to be doing right now. So um, no, but I, uh, on the main account, Twitter, um, when you see a blog tweet out every day, I schedule those out through the day. Um, so that's just one thing. Um, I do the newsletter every night that goes out in the morning. Um, love I, those. Yeah. Those are cool. Um, that doesn't really take too much time. And I actually enjoy those. Um, what else do I, well, yeah. And then I'm just blogging other stuff. That's just right. stuff throughout the day because the Yankee stuff isn't getting me all the clicks in the world. Um, and then I'm also, I got, um, put into this new editor role a couple months ago. So that's a whole thing with me, Coley and Nate, we're doing a whole thing there. Um, just trying to like re revamp the site or whatever. So that's a, that's always, you know, that's the priority at all times, making a site as good as it can be. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, but, um, there's, there's a lot that when I'm not doing one thing, I'm doing the other. Usually there's really, you know, when I start working at 
like 9 30 10 o'clock whatever i usually don't stop till about six and then you know that's why i told you like hey i got no time to do this during yep. the day um uh but you know and then there's up the fun stuff like on thursday i'm playing ping pong like that's just like and that's part of the part of the job and part of content it's just like i'm playing hank and ping pong or whatever so <laughs> there's some there's some great stuff and then obviously then the yankee stuff gets in there and you know see what we can do each week with the episodes and the off season, who we can interview all that react to stuff. And it's just a lot of fun. None of it really is work. It's just all making content and making the best, making the site as best it could be. And I have a blast doing it. So you're a big Packer fan. How did that come about? Yeah, I always get shit for that too because they were like, "Oh, Yankees Packers fan? What are you, a Lakers fan?" You're a- well, I'm a closeted Packers fan because my roommate in high school for three years was a huge Packer fan, and the Jets sucked. So, yeah, how, how, what's your story? So, uh, from Jersey, uh, my dad was a big Giants fan, um, but he loved Brett Favre. Um, so, you know, we were we didn't have Sunday ticket growing up. We were not wealthy, so uh, you know, we'd get the CBS local game of Giants and Jets on TV. At the time, it's Kerry Collins led Giants and like Testaverde led, you know, Jets with Curtis Martin or whatever. Who the hell was quarterback? But um, boring teams. And none of my fans, uh, none of my fans, none of my friends, all my friends were Jets and Giants fans. And I just didn't want to root for those teams with them. And but every like pretty much every other like uh, Sunday at four o'clock, Favre would be on Fox because he'd be the local game and we'd get it. And I'd be like, you know, you know, Packers, Cowboys, whatever. And like, you know, as a kid watching far play it was unbelievable and i was like well i could watch this guy's on all the time he's always you know they put packers on monday Night football all the time and whatever it was and uh you know obviously those green jerseys are just like beautiful they're just like foot you watch nfl football and it's like you see those packers green jerseys and it's like this is stand out yeah so all that process and as a kid i was like i'm rooting for the packers like fuck everybody else i don't care <laughs> exactly um, and they weren't like and it's not like they won the super bowl you know, like in, in the late 90s, or whatever, uh, it's the Patriots. So I, I wasn't alive for that. So when I picked them, they weren't like this type. They just had far. They would win the NFC North every year and they'd lose in horrific fashion, whether it's fourth and 26 against the Eagles or you know, just left and right to Kaepernick or, you know, it's just, there was devastating law in Minnesota. They would left and right. They would just lose in the worst ways in the playoffs. They'd get there every year. But like, I would always feel pain. Like, I remember my first memories as a kid of crying from sports were all because of the Packers. Like every single one had to do with the Packers until, you know, some, you know, when I got old. 2004 Yankees. Yeah. Right. Like until there. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just love the Packers ever since then. I'm an, I'm a, you know, I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Syracuse basketball fan. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm a front runner, but if you want to call me it, like whatever, teach their own people who fan guard and say like, Oh, you can't roof this team. Like I think those are the lamest people in the world. You just um, shut up. But yeah, no, I, I love the Packers. I love the Knicks and I love the Yankees. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. Aaron Rodgers is the man. Did you briefly consider the jets when Brett Favre moved over to the jets or were you a Rodgers guy right away? Good question. Um, so I was actually at 76ers basketball camp in the summer. Um, it was the one time I went to sleepaway camp. Um, it, was, it was in like the Poconos for two weeks. And he had like no technology. But I would talk to my, my parents every day on like a phone, like a, almost like it was like a pay phone. Right. Uh, and it was just the one my dad called me, or I called my dad. He goes, Favre's, Favre's retiring. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I just like broke down. And I almost like didn't want to even do camp. I was like, pick me up. <laughs> right like, i'm not picking you up uh we pay thousand dollars for this place i'm not picking you up but um it was in that moment he did believe i was going to become a jets fan he thought i was just going to fall far um but i actually i remember being on a cruise ship um uh we were, we took some cruises as a kid and uh i remember the day that they picked rogers 
and I was very excited because he was awesome. And like I like I was like I for whatever reason back then I had the semblance in my head to be like wait, this is a good idea. Rodgers, put him under Favre. Like, I don't know why I was that rational and not just freaking out because, like, they picked Favre's replacement or whatever, but I was okay with it. Um, and I liked Rodgers, and I thought maybe maybe I was just like – I don't remember what my thought process was, but maybe I was like, hey, it's time or whatever, and Favre wants to do his Jets thing and do this whole song and dance, retire, unretire, all that. They want to move on with the kid. Let's do it. It'll be fun. And uh, ended up working out. And obviously by then, at that point of rooting for the Packers so many years, I was all in with Green Bay. It wasn't just him. Um, right. It was originally just him, but then it grew out to everybody, you know. Um, and uh, and yeah, I stuck with the Packers, and um, just, yeah, and it, I like the choice, even though like, yeah, <laughs> obviously, like, like people like I also like people call me front runner. It's like the Giants have won more Super Bowls since the with the uh, in my lifetime of watching the Packers than the Packers. So it's like I don't know how we're gonna call us front running all that, but um, yeah, no. Uh, when Favre left, my dad did think I was gonna jump ship, but I did not. Were you as rational this time around with the love pick? Absolutely not. I thought it was the worst pick. In the <laughs> okay, good. Just making sure. I thought the whole draft was the worst. It was the worst draft. I mean, it was just the worst draft in NFL history, in my opinion. You couldn't have done a worse job. Imagine they had a receiver alongside Devontae Adams, right? Imagine they had Justin Jefferson would be right. nice. Or, yeah. or, you know, Claypool or anyone. Of any those guys, yeah. single one of those guys I would have taken. Anyone. Oh, my yeah. God. There was eight or nine guys that I just like, yeah. This should be perfect. Now, thankfully, Alan Lazard took a step up, and you know they, you know, uh, Scantling as well, and and St. Brown. But the offense could be better if they just took. And I actually was going to be okay if they went defense, like if they went like a. I wanted Patrick Queen and whatever, and you know maybe he hasn't been so great this year. But if they just took defensive players instead, they, instead they went, instead they went Jordan Love and AJ Dillon, and AJ Dillon is becoming more part of the offense, which is nice. Um, but then after that, they just they didn't address defense. They, they you know. Obviously, Kamal Martin's been solid, and and obviously Runyon uh, stepped in earlier in the year. But um, I just wish they focused on defense or one offensive player, like one singular one. Instead, they basically said, "Yeah, we gave up on Rodgers," and what he did, he won the MVP in spite of them. So I, I, I at least at least it lit a fire on him because he had a very he had a three year stretch of not being Aaron Rodgers, and safe to say he's back. Yeah. Um. Well. I love Aaron Rodgers. I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. And I take personal offense to when people are like, whoa, look at what Patrick Mahomes is doing. These We've never seen anything like this. I'm like, guys, look, there's fucking Aaron Rodgers. He does that. Uh, but what he did was so amazing this past week off the field was donating to the Barstool Fund. And the Barstool Fund in general has just been incredible. So talk a little bit about that, what it's been like on your guys' end of it. Yeah, Liz has crushed it. Liz, uh, the other Packers fan, uh, also a Yankees fan at Barstool. She's been amazing. Um like just reading so many emails, um, so many submissions, and it's so hard to pick from these businesses because they're all just imagining. Yeah. But um, no, it's really makes me very proud to work for the company. Um, they, they, we've, I don't, I don't even want to say we've because I barely helped or whatever. But I mean, I, I, it was like one day where I went through submissions or whatever. But uh, Liz and everybody, they've done just an amazing job, and it's so cool. The businesses we're literally just saving who were just left out, you know, to to die basically by the government, all that. So it is so cool. And obviously Roger stepping in was like absolutely surreal in every way um, coming in with 500 K and urging other people like, you know, in the, in the league and, and his friends or whatever to get involved. It was so cool. And, you know, they're over $20 million now and over a hundred businesses saved. And it's just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable what they've done. And, you know, Dave is done. I, I mean, I just don't understand anybody could say a bad word about him Agreed. Um, after, after what he's done. So, um, yeah, it's just a very proud moment to work for Barcelona. 
Well, I donated just for the swag because the swag is dope. So if anyone's listening to this, go look at the website and get some of that stuff, even if that's all you're donating for. Barstoolfund.com. Exactly. Yeah. Plug that. There you go. Um, So actually, I don't know if you know this, but the Orthodox Jewish community is obsessed with Barstool. They love Dave Portnoy. They're obsessed with them. I don't know if you've had any interaction with any Orthodox Jews. So I am, I grew up in the Orthodox Jewish community. So if you guys are looking for an ambassador for Barstool to the Orthodox Jewish community, I'm here for you guys. Let's talk about Knicks real quick. Okay. Because the Knicks were so much fun a couple of weeks ago. Austin River saying all the right things. It was literally last week. And then I was wondering when I, when you agreed to come on, I was like, okay, there's three games or two games between now and then I wonder what's going to happen in those games. And now they went from five and three to five and six. The OKC game was a telling game for me. I said, if they go into tonight and they win, then they're not the same old Knicks because that's classic Knicks. You're five and three. And then finally you're favored in a game. I think you sent out that tweet. You're like the Knicks are favored tonight or something. And all they have is Shea Gildersheim-Alexander, and they have Horford. And those two guys absolutely smoked the Knicks alone, and that was it. What do you think is going to happen now? Yeah, they had no response for, for Horford, and they had no response for Hayward last night. Yeah, um, it was a fun eight games where they actually looked really – I mean, I'm not giving up one bit. I mean, you also, like, you just want to watch entertaining basketball. Like, if exactly. the Knicks aren't winning the NBA title, uh, you know, uh, if they make the playoffs, that'd be crazy. It'd be awesome. But, like – you know, you just, just entertain me. That's all I'm asking for because the Knicks haven't been able to entertain me for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, Rivers again last night was like, yeah, we've had the toughest schedule in the league. Like for us to be five and six at this point through, through, through 11 games, you take that. And I, and I think you do like the wins they've been three playoff teams so far. So um, like from last year. So, um, you know, I, I think the weather, obviously they're still with her uh, without Alec Burks, who was through a few games. Scored Huge. Game. Obviously Obi's been out too. You know, Jerry's out in him, but he's only played a few games. He can get so much better. You know, Quickly's come a little bit back down to earth, um, but Randall's been great. Uh, Mitch has looked better and better, I think, every game. RJ just can't shoot, which is concerning. It's just I've never seen a worse, worse shoot ever. And he's even said, like, he is a righty, and I wish he just shot righty if he's actually a righty. But Exactly. Yeah, but Tibbs has been really good. Uh, it's nice to see a team just play, um, you know, balls to the wall, give 100% every single play. Um, and just get the most out of them. And it's, it's nice to just have a real coach. Um, so five and six, you know, I wish, you know, obviously we got that win over the thunder, you know, whatever, but um, I'll, I'll take it. it. You told me five and six through 11 games before the season started, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat based on the schedule. Yeah. Well, it's definitely better than the Nets and the Kyrie Irving shit show. I'll t- definitely better than that. Yeah. Uh, thank God that guy didn't sign with the Knicks. I, he would be, he would be run out of town and he'd never play again if he was a Nick. Right now, no one just cares about the Nets. That's the thing. No one's going to care right, about exactly. basketball. So it's like, oh, it's not really even a story right now. Whereas if he was a Nick, it would be the number one story in sports, what he's doing right now. Exactly. Okay. So obviously, I, I appreciate you coming on. No disrespect to you, but Tommy Smokes doesn't answer any of my DMs. He loved that, you know, that I gave him that compliment. I really think he's hilarious. And he's, what's he doing right now? Come on. Can you send a message to him? He's a busy man. He's a busy man. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe I'll have to. I'll have to slip him a word or two that you're 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 calling for him. I'm up and coming, Tom. Um, <laughs> but the one last thing I want to close on because we touched on the Yankees pitching for a second. I don't want any piece of Trevor Bauer. I hate him. I hate his agent Rachel Lu- Rachel Luba. I think they should die. I don't know what they're doing. They have like this couple thing that they do online. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, would you take him at this point if they told you, hey, the Yankees are going to get Trevor Bauer? What would you say to that? Yeah, I, uh, I, I 
share a similar dislike for what they're doing on Twitter. Um, I do think what she's doing, being like you know a female voice in, in the sports agency world, is, is well. I can't get canceled. You can. I can't because I don't have any followers. So you can say whatever you want. I can yeah. say whatever I want. Yeah. But I, I, I do appreciate you know what she's doing. It's very cool what she's doing. And uh, but you know they, their act is getting old a little bit on Twitter. And I wish he just made a decision. Um, but he is good. You know, at the end of the day, he's a businessman. He's trying to grow his YouTube channel and all that. So whatever. Uh, the Yankees aren't even considering him, so don't even worry about it. Um, if they're they're being stingy on paying DJ LeMahieu, um, they're not going to pay. Drew but if they Bauer, lose DJ, they're not. It's, it's still. I'm not worried. Yeah. Power Power wants the highest annual value. I also think, despite what he says, I don't think the Cole him stuff is squashed 100%, by any means. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I think he'll go out west. I think he'll be an angel or something. Um, Good, that keep him. That would be my guess. Maybe he's a Padre too. If the Padres still just want to go crazy, nuts. wouldn't be stunned. Um, especially with uh, you know Clevenger being there, that's his boy. Uh, but I, I, I'm not even c- considering the notion of of Trevor Bauer right now. No chance. Because oh. also he wants to like, you know, part he released it on his YouTube channel like what his de- not his demands, but like what he'd like in teams. You know what he what wants to see, and it's like I don't think the Yankees would be okay with him with the YouTube channel and like following around behind the scenes, whatever. I don't think the no way at all. Yeah. So uh, I'm not even considering it at all as being a possibility. Do you think the Yankees can be fun again? Like they were fun in 2017, but like even the last two years, they weren't fun the last three years, 2018, 2018. Uh, no, sorry. 2019. They were a lot of fun. Uh, that was the most fun I've had watching a team in a long time where they were just so good. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they run into the Astros and all that 2020, was just a weird year with the pandemic and all that. It was almost hard to have fun. Obviously, the Padres did have fun, but it was like yeah. I think it was just, the rules were so weird, and it's like I don't know. It's just it was an unlikable team for sure, and there were so many injuries, and as there are every year. Um, but as long as guys like Luke Voigt are on the team, the team can be fun. That's that's the exactly that's your guy right there. That's my. But we're gonna miss Tommy Canley. Yeah, that will hurt for sure. Um, but it's good to have Britain still there. I think Britain's yep. got a Britain's got a nice personality. Um, obviously. Him, no, him and Canley anymore is tough. Uh, but as long as as long as Luke's there, I think they'll always have a fire in their heart and their soul and all that. And that's why I would never ever let him go. Um, even though people wanted him gone, right. yeah. I never, I never understood that. Why I don't get it. That guy no. who just led the league in homers and what gets on base a ton and he's improving every day. He's so honest day. off the field. Like, I yeah. love that. Just the perfect guy you need on your team, uh, for you know, for a run and all that. Um, on top of just hitting home runs left and right. Uh, but yeah. To answer your question, yeah, the team can still be fun. No question. All right. I don't want to take too much more of your time, so I appreciate you coming on. If you have to plug anything that you need to plug, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, Barstool Hubs. Uh, listen to Short Porch. Where you subscribe, subscribe on YouTube uh, to our channel. Uh, we're trying to post a lot of our video content there of late. That's what I'm pushing to start 2021. Good channel. Uh, and Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I'm Hubs on Barstool, so if you want to read blogs from me, I'm there. Um, and, yeah, and you guys know where to find me. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. All right. My pleasure. Thank you so much. You got it, pal. Thanks again to Hubs for coming on. I had a really good time. So thank you for that. Coming up, a word from Anchor, and that's going to take you straight into the Bon Jovi song. So this is the last you're hearing from me until next episode. When is next episode, you ask? This week. Yeah, lots of episodes this week. It's going to be NFL playoff, divisional round preview, and then I might throw in a little hockey and some other stuff. So definitely look out for that all coming up later this week. Until then, Anchor Jovi, see ya.
Can't go.